Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Into the Borough podcast here on the Borough Reviews Network. My name is Jared, and joining me as always is Linda. Hello. Uh, make sure if you like listening to this podcast and you have in the past and you want to see a video version, go over to patreon.com slash the Borough Reviews. Our, um, our trick-or-treat patrons over there get the full video as well as the audio, so they kind of get the full experience here. So I encourage you to do that. We are back from our hiatus. We took like a two-week break where, um, you know, we both had some time off one week and then the next week was Easter. So it uh, it kind of just didn't work for recording-wise, um, especially since my Easter gathering was scheduled at 12 p.m., which is normally <laughs> when we record on Sundays. So it kind of just took out the whole entire day for me. Um, but that's okay. How was your Easter? I'm struggling to remember what I even did for Easter. Yep, 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 same. (laughs) I think, okay, I'm pretty sure my sister uh, grilled. It was was just me, Lane, and Roxanne, which is fine. Uh, She grilled for us. We kind of hung out outside, spent time with our dogs. She got us these really cool bubbles from Five Below and Chalk. And I had a a wonderful time with my bubbles. Mm. With bubbles. Yeah, we also had bubbles, actually. <laughs> um, where I was, there was only one kid running around, though. Are you okay? You're dying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, My I pointed out. like, I made you're it worse. lying, you child. You love those bubbles. <laughs> <coughs> no, it was from that cookie. I tried to eat really fast before we started recording. Well, you could have just muted yourself and ate the cookie. <laughs> I didn't think about <laughs> it. Uh,. But um, (laughs) uh, that's what you get for snacking. Um, Anyway, I don't actually have a snack today, surprisingly. Uh, Oh, so he's just bitter because I have cookies. Shocker, Linda has cookies. Step it up, Jared. Yeah. Well, I'm getting uh, brunch today, like normal. (laughs) Me and Laurencia haven't done our Sunday brunch. No, we do a Sunday brunch every single Sunday where like she'll cook like this huge breakfast and then we just eat and hang out for the day after the podcast. And then normally after we eat and hang out for a bat, uh, uh, for a bat, what am I British? We've been watching a lot of Love Island UK. So that's what that, that's what happened right there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, we usually hang out for a bit, eat the brunch, and then I come back to this to like edit it and finish everything and schedule it out uh, later. So um, yeah, I'm having splendid. brunch. How splendid. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great. I'm so excited for the bacon, specifically the bacon, candied bacon. Um, All right. Well, we've got a good show. Uh, There's a lot that we missed over the last two weeks. Um, I want to say I did go see uh, Godzilla vs. Kong in theaters. Didn't just watch it on HBO Max. I did go out to the theaters. There was like, I want to say maybe five other people in my screening. And so we were all like spaced out. I went at a time that no one was going to, you know, go. So I did make a point to go out and see Godzilla versus Kong on the big screen. Mortal Kombat, I'm probably not going to do that with. But um, I figured Kong versus Godzilla was like the the prime opportunity to like go back out and and watch it. And apparently that's what everyone else thought, too, as we'll talk about a little bit later in the news. Um, Did you get a chance to check it out on HBO Max? Yeah, I watched it on HBO Max because I'm not bougie for the movies right now. That's okay. <laughs> I, I got my first dose. You don't dose. even deny it. You're just like, oh, yeah, she's not. Well, that's well, okay. N- no, have you been vaccinated yet? No. Yeah, I'm see. I'm supposed to be vaccinated this week. See, I, I got my first one like a couple weeks ago now. So, like, we're fine. Like, I'm fine. My, the first one's in. I know that technically it's not effective until the second one. But... I just read a study that it was 80% effective after two weeks of your first dose uh, in the short term anyway. So um, you know what? I can go out to the movies if I want. And then when I get fully vaccinated, you best bet that that's the only way I'll watch these things. um, If I'm actually wanting to like support what they're doing. Uh, Won't be no HBO Max for me. And signs are mostly pointing at the fact that HBO Max is not, well, we already know that HBO Max is not going to shift their calendar to HBO Max simultaneously with the theatrical releases in 2022, right? But the question is whether or not after 
Godzilla versus Kong, whether or not they're actually going to just, um, you know, like release Dune theatrically or release any of those other movies theatrically, <clears throat> which is um, what the reports are kind of suggesting. And I've seen new HBO Max ads. I don't know if you've seen these ones, but they're only until like in the Heights in June. And then they just stopped advertising everything else for the rest of the year. So I wonder if they're about, they're like, oh, shit, like Godzilla versus Kong made a lot of money for, you know, half capacity and for all these other, you know, things that are going on, you know, some movie theaters are still shuttered. So it's like, they were probably looking at that. And we'll talk about it a little later, too, just with the stock increases. And they're like, there's some serious money to be made here that we're not going to be able to make just on HBO Max. So, you know, maybe after June, why don't we just start putting everything back in the theater exclusively again, which I think is a brilliant idea, especially because that theatrical like release window for streaming is now only at 45 days. So, you know, a month and a half and those movies that are in the theaters are going to just go straight to, you know, video on demand. And so like, yeah, why not just make it exclusively in the theaters later this year when most people have gotten their vaccination? Like makes total sense to me. Anyway, that's my little rant about that. I kind of covered, I kind of covered everything of blanket in that little, <laughs> in that little bit there. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll talk about um, some AMC stocks and some theater stocks more in depth in a little bit. Um, but you think that you're gonna like stay on HBO Max for a little while, even after vaccinations and everything? Man, maybe. I'm already paying the money on it. Yeah, might as true. well use it. True, true, true. I don't know. Yeah. I think I, I'd rather still. I'd rather be safe than sorry. Even after my vaccination, at least for a little while, mm-hmm. just until enough people have it. Because I know more and more people are still getting it, but I mean, not not a whole lot. So mm-hmm. I'd rather just not risk it. Still, even after my vaccination. But that's that's just me i mean when you get the vaccination just do still do what makes you comfortable yeah yeah well i think so um for me anyway like i'm not if you're in public and you're not vaccinated and you get sick that's your fault if if you're in public and you are vaccinated and you get sick that's your fault like no matter what it's it comes down to you but However, with saying that, like if you have the vaccination, there is no reason. I mean, yes, you can still contract the virus and you can still, you know, carry it. Um, But at the same time, like as long as you're still, you know, keeping your six foot, you know, distance, you're still wearing your mask constantly. Like we didn't take our masks off in the theater at all, other than to take a little sippy sip of our uh, cherry Pepsi. Uh, That was the only time that we really like took our masks down or anything. And so if you're still doing all those precautions and everything, um, I think, and you're vaccinated, I think it's safe to kind of start to, to start to do things again. I mean, I don't advise going to like clubs and like, you know, that packed environment where you're neck to neck with people. I don't think. <clears throat> that oh, that's you know me. Move. I'm just waiting for the day I can start clubbing again. Oh, yeah. Well, I think <laughs> I can't wait for the vaccine passports because it's like then, you know, I mean, specifically, it's probably going to get you know, escalated in California with the vaccine passports. But then it's like, yeah, you go into a business and, you know, there are, for instance, maybe movie theaters, uh, whole, whole, you know, auditoriums that are full of vaccinated people because they have their vaccine passports and they can be shoulder to shoulder just watching movies again. It'll be, it'll be a great experience. I can't wait for, um, just to see what the revival's like after all of this in every industry, you know, across the board, just to see how people respond to, living again it'll be weird um but with all that being said why don't we actually move into the news linda um so we're going to take our first quick break i'm going to read you some news and then we'll come back here and we'll talk about it today is a great day to start your own podcast whether you're looking for a new marketing channel have a message you want to share with the world or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show podcasting is an easy inexpensive and fun way to expand your reach online and Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your first recording. 
Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. We use Buzzsprout and can attest that it is a cakewalk compared to some of the other hosting platforms that we've used. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So what are you waiting for? Grab your gear that you already have, and then find a quiet space to record and talk about all your favorite things. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. We can't wait to hear your passion. And now for your last week's news update. Brett Lang of Variety writes, Godzilla vs. Kong box office success lifts movie theater stocks. The box office success of Godzilla vs. Kong lifted exhibition industry stocks, reinvigorating the share prices of leading theater companies such as AMC, IMAX, and Cinemark. The monster movie grossed a mighty $48.5 million in its first five days in theaters, setting a record for the pandemic era and signaling that after a punishing year, the movie business may be poised for a post-COVID-19 comeback. AMC, the world's largest exhibitor, saw shares climb 13.4%, while shares of Cinemark, another major chain, jumped from 7.1%, and shares of Cineworld, the owner of Regal, climbed 5.3%. IMAX, which has become a new major source at the box office for tentpole films, like Godzilla vs. Kong, saw its shares increase by 4.5% over the course of the day. Other theater-focused companies and chains such as the Marcus Corporation and National Cinemedia, which packages advertising and pre-show programming to exhibitors, also got a stock lift, raising 4.8% and 4.4% respectively. Matt Donnelly and Cynthia Littleton of Variety write, Sony Pictures moves movie output deal from stars to Netflix in rich pack. Netflix has emerged the winner of a nearly two-year auction for the exclusive U.S. rights to stream Sony Pictures' theatrical releases in the first pay TV window starting with the studio's 2022 slate. Netflix has also set a first-look agreement with Sony for all of the studio's original movies produced for the direct streaming market. That deal also requires Netflix to commit to a certain number of titles from the studio, but it doesn't stop Sony from selling direct-to-streaming titles to Netflix rivals. In that case, however, Netflix would have to pass on the project for Sony to be able to sell it to another streamer. As part of the pact, Netflix will license an unspecified number of older titles from Sony's movie vault. The new theatrical output deal with Netflix, which only covers the U.S., is believed to run about five years and is undoubtedly worth hundreds of millions of dollars to the studio over the term. Brad Miska, a bloody disgusting, writes, Saw franchise targets milestone 10th film as development is underway. It's about time we start thinking of Jigsaw as one of the biggest slashers in horror history, placing him right alongside that of Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Chucky, and even Pinhead. With Lionsgate set to revitalize the franchise next month with Spiral, the Chris Rock-fronted ninth film that brings um, Saw director Darren Lynn Bousman back behind the camera, producers Twisted Pictures have already begun development on the milestone 10th entry. In their latest issue, Production Weekly, lists Saw X as being an active development. Saw X stands for Saw 10. It's also possible that the box office for Spiral in theaters on May 14th could affect the future of the franchise, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Chris Evangelista of Slash Film writes, Whistler Camp, a horror film set at a gay conversion camp coming from Blumhouse and Penny Dreadful creator John Logan. Conversion Therapy, the bogus and cruel pseudoscience that attempts to force LGBTQ people to change their sexual orientation will inspire the horrors of Whistler Camp, a new Blumhouse horror movie that marks the directorial debut of Penny Dreadful creator John Logan. The film is set inside a gay conversion camp and is described as, quote, a queer empowerment story. Logan is writing the film as well. And that concludes your last week's news update. If you would like to support the Burrow Reviews or the Into the Burrow podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. 
Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships. Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do. It follows a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube. Hereditary, a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scene content, and all of the other tier perks combined. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash Reviews to sign up. The Burrow Reviews, your movie refuge. Alright, welcome back from the break. Uh, we're going to talk about Godzilla vs. Kong's box office success. And um, a lot of that success just comes from the fact that it grossed a mighty $48.5 million in its first five days in the theater. Um, and that's kind of an astounding number. If you take 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters, what that grossed opening weekend was about $56 million, right? So you're about... 7 million and some odd change off of Godzilla King of the Monsters, which didn't have a pandemic, didn't have, you know, limited capacity for seating. And it's really encouraging to see. And I think the, you know, the exhibition stock prices are reflective of that confidence, that that growing confidence that we all have in reopening movie theaters specifically and their success and their longevity for the future. Um, really encouraging to see, you know, I know back to last year when I was doing this kind of revamped version of the podcast for the first time in March, I was like, basically like theaters are doomed. Like it's, it's the end, like, because that's what we all thought, like, how do they survive this? Right. And, um, it's really encouraging because with the share prices specifically, uh, AMC, the world's largest uh, theater exhibition, uh, saw shares climb 13.4%. Cinemark jumped 7.1% and Regal climbed 5.3%. Um, Marcus Corporation jumped uh, 4.8% and National Cinemedia, which does a lot of the pre-programming and advertising packs for theaters, um, their stocks jumped up by 4.4%. So um, we're we're starting to see a gradual increase of people being more willing and more, I guess, confident to go back out to the public to see films. And, and I think it's not even the confidence in the fact that they won't get COVID. I think it's more so the confidence um, that they're going to have a good time at the theater and that, you know, that we miss those communal experiences and, and we want those back as soon as possible. So it's a good mm-hmm. sign because when things are full fledged open again, I imagine that, uh, people are going to be flocking to the theater a lot more. That's good. That's really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. So when you hear that, um, are you surprised at all that the stocks jumped up after that opening weekend? Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, uh, no uh, it, it makes sense. People are starting to have a lot more confidence in the movie theaters again, especially uh, after uh, seeing the, box office numbers for Godzilla versus Kong. So that's definitely not a surprise to me that, um, that the stocks are on the rise again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's good, especially with us for the past what year now we've been saying how worried, yeah. worried we've been because like no one was going a lot of like locally owned movie theaters have had to shut down uh, it's good that we're getting the foot traffic again, as long as people are being smart about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think definitely for the future, for the next few months anyway, limited capacity at screens, you know, still maintaining that social distancing, still having mask mandates like in effect. Um, mm-hmm. I think those are all important steps to kind of curtail any sort of, you know, risk um, that you get by going to the theaters. But, you know, I've seen people going out to restaurants this whole time and like, it's the same kind of concept, right? Like I haven't necessarily done the restaurants, but I have gone to like two movies, three movies, three, I've gone to three movies during the pandemic, um, two where there was absolutely, absolutely like no one in the movie theater. So that was kind of nice. This one had a little bit more people in it. Um, but I think the important thing here is that the, the movie theater isn't the movie theater industry rather isn't dead. 
And so when you're looking at those numbers, when you're looking at that increased share value, um, just be really happy that it didn't turn out the the other way, which would have been AMC's closing their doors. Marcus no longer exists. You know, where are we going to go to get movies anymore? Well, HBO Max, Netflix, um, and all those other different streamers who have been putting out original content, you know, for their own streaming platform. That would have been the place where we would have now been able to view movies and have that communal experience. And for me, anyway, it isn't the same as going to the movie theater. Like, um, seeing those monsters fight on the big screen was so, so damn good. It was so good. Um, and it was, it brought a smile to my face. You know, I don't even necessarily like love the movie. I'm not in love with it, but there are certain parts of that movie where it's like, it's just very crowd pleasing. And so to have that in that theater environment again was really, really nice. Um, so yeah, that's Godzilla versus Kong and kind of where the theaters are at. Uh, we'll see, you know, if other releases are able to catch up to where Godzilla versus Kong was. I don't imagine, unless it's an event movie like Godzilla versus Kong, that will probably reach that height again until you know a, the next like huge movie comes out. Um, like right. I don't think Spiral's going to do that. I don't think you know any of those other movies are going to be able to reach that. But it, you know, Godzilla versus Kong was an event movie, and so it was able to kind of capture that. Market. Honestly, with it being such a such a big project like Godzilla vs. Kong, honestly, I'd be lying if I didn't say that it it probably helped a lot, like bringing the crowds back and you know having that box office success in there. Like if it was any other movie, you wouldn't have had the same effect. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, <clears throat> the trailers were really good too. So that also kind of encouraged people to check it out. And, uh, mm-hmm. apparently, you know, on HBO max, it didn't do bad either. As far as viewership, you know, a lot of people turned to HBO max to kind of watch it as well, which I'm glad, you know, those people were being safe. Um, especially in kind of the hotter like markets where more and more people are going to see movies. Like it's not really the case here in Nebraska yet. Um, but in some of the more densely populated areas, it was probably the smarter decision to just stay at home and watch it on HBO Max. Um, speaking of like streamers and original content, Netflix uh, has acquired a movie output deal with Sony Pictures, which I want to talk about a little bit. Um, so this was a two-year auction that Sony Pictures was, you know, putting up basically for you know streaming rights for their theatrical releases. And they wanted to start this with the 2022 movie slate. And so they they put up the auction. They're like, hey, you know, who wants to house Sony Pictures theatrical releases, you know, after they're done in that theatrical 45-day window? Well, Netflix has come in and has secured that Outlook deal. So that deal also requires Netflix to commit to a certain number of titles from the studio. Um, but it doesn't stop Sony from selling direct-to-streaming titles to Netflix rivals. So, for instance, you know, Netflix has, let's say it's more than this, but they have 10 movies that they have to get from Sony Pictures a year. Um, Any given year, they have to kind of select and, you know, put 10 films on Netflix. Um, Any films that they want, they get first pick. Well, that's not saying that, you know, if something doesn't get picked, that Sony can't go to HBO Max and be like, hey, like, do you want to buy this movie for exclusive streaming rights? Because they can. So as far as Sony's concerned, this is a really good deal for them. Netflix and their viewership has steadily increased and it has kept increasing over the years. So it's more eyes on your projects, which is good news for Sony, but also having the ability to be able to sell those, to sell those streaming rights to, to another company, you know, creates Mm -hmm. that competition. So it doesn't feel like they're just giving everything and anything to Netflix. Um, There's still room in there for there to be some market competition And it makes them some more money because this deal was massive. It was massive. So let me try and find the number here. But I want to say it was, it was incredibly, like, incredibly big. Um, And by the way, Netflix has 74 million, like, U.S. subscribers. So that's just in the U.S. alone. So I have to imagine um, that Sony's pretty happy that they're going to be able to, you know, showcase their films to there. Um, When you see... 
this deal go through? Are you excited for Sony being able to actually kind of get their content out more easily? Because Sony's, I think what Sony did when they came into that market is they recognized that HBO Max has a streaming service. You know, Disney Plus has a streaming service. Everywhere else has a streaming service. And so when you're already coming into that market and you don't have that already established, it's going to be a little bit hard for you to kind of gain that traction. So what Sony did was brilliant. They sat there, well, we're not going to get the viewership that a Netflix would or, you know, a Disney Plus would. So why would we even try? Why not just make them pay us for the content rather than us spending money to produce that content? Um, So it's a brilliant marketing move from there. But do you think that this is going to help get more eyes on Sony projects in the future? I think it'll help both Sony and Netflix. Uh, (laughs) Especially with all these streaming services that are out right now and with everything that HBO Max is doing. Right now, HBO Max is kind of hot shit. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is a a good way for for Netflix to bring it back up there because... You know, uh, there was a day when Netflix was kind of top dog of all of the streaming platforms. It was like the best thing ever. And it was kind of the one that pretty much started it all. And since then, it's definitely gone a little bit downhill, like especially with like all the great content it had that wasn't Netflix originals that have since been taken off. So I think this is a, a good way for them to gain a lot more viewership again um and i'm not gonna lie i kind of think this is a little distraction from the fact that they're like you know still trying to like crack down on people who are sharing accounts like they're they're just distracting us but you know it's fine it's kind of yeah a little bit i haven't gotten that (laughs) message yet but i had to get my own netflix um account anyway just so that i could get screeners so um they wouldn't give me screeners if it wasn't my own account um so i had to get my own account so now i pay for netflix it's fine but um uh, i still don't yeah yeah that's okay linda that's okay you know you know if you here's the thing with that though linda when you start wanting screeners and and you have an assignment from me and I'm like, hey, go watch this movie on Netflix and you go to the Netflix press context and and you ask them for permission for that screener. They're going to be like, hmm, you don't have your own Netflix account. So no matter what your editor said, they're going to you, you're going to have to make your own account for this. So just wait. It'll hit huh. you in the future. It'll hit huh. you. <laughs> Why do I feel so threatened right now? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you you shouldn't be. No, keep password sharing. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. But no, um, it's so fucking stupid. And I'm um, gonna keep bringing it up whenever Netflix tries to do cash grab shit like this. Yeah, well, not only that, but raising their prices in addition to it. They're like, well, we'll do both. Like, hmm. whatever. Anyway, uh, Netflix, for instance, um, was the first like big league like streamer to acquire a movie deal with a Hollywood studio in December 2012 um, when it shocked the industry by unveiling a Disney pack that kicked off the studio's 2016 slate. That deal for Disney was estimated at $300 million over the unusually short three, three year term. So this one, this one's most likely for a five year term and we don't know the specific amount of it, but just based off of the Disney streaming rights that they had, for the Disney properties, um, I got to imagine it's going to be probably more than $300 million, um, <clears throat> specifically because some of the Sony movies that are like um, that are included in this streaming deal are Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Venom, and Jumanji, just to name a few. And so those are really hot properties right now. And so to be able to acquire the rights to that, Sony's going to be asking for, for big money, but we don't have a specific okay. amount. I just researched that a little bit. Um, which I didn't think there I mean, was. I don't really care who's streaming it. As long as I get a num- another Venom movie, I'll be fine. I mean, one's on the way. One's on the way. It'll come. It was successful. Like, of course, it they're going to keep so doing good. it. It was so good. I loved um, it. Tom Hardy was so cute. Yeah. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> and I think Tom Hardy was a big reason for that movie's success, oh, too. Because He was so good. With Morbius, it's like, can Jared Leto captivate an audience like that? I I'm I'm curious to know how Morbius does and what that what that looks like, but I don't think it's going to be nearly as successful as Venom. 
I feel so bad for saying this. I seriously don't mean to be like rude or anything, but Morbius seemed like it would be a really good movie. But the only thing that's holding me back is the fact that Jared Leto is in it. Oh, <laughs> some Jared Leto hate for your it's Monday morning. It's not that mornings. I don't like Jared Leto. It's just mm-hmm. that I don't really like Jared Leto. Yeah. <laughs> No, I get it. I get it. Um, I think, you know, he's a really good actor when he wants to be. But the dude is just so unlikable in some cases, like so unlikable. And so it's hard to it's hard to find that balance with him. Like for the longest time, I really liked him. But, you know, I was in love with 30 Seconds to Mars. I was in love with Fight Club. I was in love with um, American Psycho, like all of those movies. And, you know, paired with 30 Seconds to Mars, I was like, yeah, Jared Leto, even up to Suicide Squad when he was cast as Joker and that first trailer came out, I was like, yeah, I'm down for this. Like, and then, um, and then we had the little things recently and, you know, all of his recent projects have just been like, hmm, it's a little weird, mm-hmm. a little weird, but, uh, like he needs to go back to his roots and like refine himself. I think so. Because he's not choosing projects that are establishing him as a good actor. Yeah, well, he, I mean, honestly, like, if you haven't on Netflix right now, go watch Mr. Nobody. I think it's still on Netflix. Um, what Probably my favorite Jared Leto film, to be honest. And it's um, it's like a sci-fi epic almost. It's, it, it, it's so, it's not an epic in terms of, like, action spectacle. It's an epic in terms of the the breadth of the story that it's telling um like it spans mm-hmm. like so many different years and multiple different timelines and it's a really cool really cool movie so i think that's really the last jared little film that i was in love with uh and so it's been a while it's been a while but netflix just just an fyi with netflix back to our original conversation they're fronting a lot of money because you got to imagine that deal is probably between you know, 300 to probably 500 million somewhere in there for the Sony deal. Well, they also just bought the rights to the knives out sequels for $450 million. That is a hefty amount to pay for two movies. Um, And so that covers knives out two and knives out three with Ryan Johnson returning to direct and Daniel Craig coming back uh, to star as the lead detective. Uh, I absolutely love knives out. So I was really happy um, to hear that we were getting two and three. And so uh, for me, this was really good news, but they are fronting a lot of money. Like they're just shoveling money left and right out in different places. And so if you're wondering why your prices are increasing annually, that's why it's for two knives out sequels. Yeah. Two knives out sequels, but no, I'm happy. I'm happy that we're getting more of it. I did you, you, you ended up watching the first one, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. You loved it, didn't you? Yeah. I remember you liking it. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah? Yeah, I liked it. That means that she loves it, everyone. She loved yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. But I did have a camera on me. Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> See, this is why you get a different experience when you're watching it on patreon.com slash the borough reviews. You get the full effect of the show. Um, (laughs) Cool. Well, uh, I think the last thing news wise that is uh, worthy to touch on just briefly is the fact that Blumhouse is making a Whistler Camp film. Uh, Whistler Camp is the title of the project from John Logan, creator of Penny Dreadful. Um, The horror film is set at a gay conversion therapy camp. Um, and it's going to be a queer empowerment movie. So I'm really Hell excited yeah. for that. Blumhouse is doing really good in terms of just diversity and making sure we're telling like weird and wacky stories from different backgrounds and perspectives. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate what they're doing. Um, so it's a good sign. I can't wait for the trailer on that. So we'll probably, you know, whenever that's in production and that has a trailer ready to be released, probably won't be for a few months, quite a few. Um, we'll make sure to keep you updated on that. But I think with all of that, We are now done with the news, so we can move on to the next section where we're going to be talking about that new Spiral trailer. Uh, So stay tuned and come right back. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our website, theboroughreviews.com. If you like indie movies or blockbuster movies and anything in between, really, on our site, you'll find podcast, movie reviews, opinion articles, and more content that covers all types of cinema. But we especially love a good horror movie here at The Borough. If you're looking for a review of your latest project, 
We got you covered. Simply search thebrewerreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. As a company residing in Nebraska, we know just how hard it can be to get your message out to the world, and we're here to help. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. And while not every submission will be accepted, mainly due to time restrictions, it is always worth a shot. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. All right. Welcome back from the break, everyone. We are now going to talk about Spiral from the Book of Saw. Um, and we're going to talk about that new trailer that was released. Technically, it was trailer number one for this. Um, we got a, you know, a teaser, a few teaser, some poster images that were really cool. Just the color palette in those were like, it was fascinating and uh, breathtaking kind of. Um, but we got the actual first trailer for Spiral, which is directed by Darren Lynn Bousman and written by Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger, um, starring Chris Rock, Samuel Jackson, and Morgan David Jones. This package just came in. Hello, Detective Banks. Do you know where your officers are? Jigsaw? Wait, I thought the Jigsaw Killer was dead. He is. Hours, not days. How can I catch this guy? If there's nobody on the bus, I can bus! You can't do this alone. Whoever did this has another motive. Something personal. When was the last time you saw your father? Jigsaw copycat. And uh, let me just say right off the bat here, I wasn't necessarily a fan of this trailer. Um, but how do you feel? What's your first initial reaction? Oh, you want? You want okay, okay. I, I don't need to go on a five um, minute long tangent about why I didn't like the trailer. <laughs> refrain. I am so nervous. You are so you are holding back so much. And I just. OK, OK. Um, hey, your opinion's just as valid as mine. <laughs> No, that that's but I'm not I'm not accusing anything. I'm just hmm, okay. Uh, <laughs> the trailer was interesting. Um it felt like a it definitely had a different tone mm-hmm. than most Saw movies have, especially in the trailer. You can tell that they're kind of trying to pull away from the actual like horror aspect, despite it being considered a horror. But they're moving more towards like a crime thriller. Yeah, crime thriller. Thank you. I want to say a copy thriller, but <laughs> crime thriller is probably the actual. Thriller. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm just going to say this now. I 100% do not buy Samuel L. Jackson being Chris Rock's dad. It's so weird. I find that very weird casting. That is such strange casting. Um, I was just telling Jared this before. I'm not going to judge the fact that Chris Rock is in this quite yet, even though it wasn't entirely convincing from the trailer not at all not at all not at all uh just because i feel like i had the same reaction with danny mcbride uh writing halloween and directing the new halloween movies uh and the same reaction from john heater and it chapter two I feel like there's another comedian I'm missing. It's been like a theme now or like a subgenre on mm-hmm. its own 
when comedians make their debut into horror. And so far it's been very interesting. And Aubrey Plaza. That's Aubrey Plaza. Thank you. In child's play. I was going to say Danny McBride in uh, alien covenant as well. That was like the first initial. Oh yeah. yeah. And he was, he wasn't bad in that. Yeah. No, he was, he was actually really decent. He was probably the biggest highlight of that movie. Cause that movie wasn't very good. No, not at all. A lot of, uh, inconsistencies plot holes uh scientific that could never happen <laughs> falsities <laughs> yeah no uh prometheus was the yes, same way but covenant you. was just atrocious like i honestly i don't <sighs> like covenant at all but oh well yeah but i mean it's interesting like i like how uh well of course they're going to since it's considered a saw movie but I like how they have just kind of the reminiscence of Saw movies while at the same time trying to be its own story. Mm-hmm. So I I have hopes for this, even with a subpar trailer. They're keeping everything close to their chest, which mm-hmm. is the only beacon of hope I really have for this, because it seems like they're trying to withhold exactly like when this is taking place and like, you know, what what's going on, you know, with Jigsaw in this movie. Um, you know, we've got some updated dolls. We've got an updated doll. We've got a few, like, up, you know, updated, I guess, um, themes. I don't, that's not the right word, but it seems like they're trying to reinvent, you know, Saw almost with this movie. And so I'm wondering where exactly it fits in the timeline, right? Like, is this... Like, is this supposed to be a soft reboot? Is this just a straight at straight reboot? Like, what are we what are we doing here? And and despite that, it would make sense that you had mentioned that, given the fact that Saw is definitely notorious for its mysterious timeline and sequence of events. Keep in mind, Saw has a bunch of sequels, and they all like. Basically, it's rumored that like the storyline is backwards. Yeah, it's all like, over the place. Despite that, yeah, it's it has a very mysterious timeline, and it's become almost like a part of its charm as a horror franchise. So even like you know, regardless of like whether or not this is like a sequel, a reboot, you know, just like a separate story all on its own, just like kind of parallel with everything that's actually going on in the Saw movies, it would make sense that we would be a little confused as to when this one would actually take place. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I didn't think of it like that kind of ingrained in the, you know, the fabric of this franchise is that mysterious nature to when things are taking place. Um, very obvious thing um, to like to to like notice with the franchise, but also not something that anyone ever thinks about, you know. Um, so that was a really good point there. Actually, something that I wouldn't have thought of. Um, and yeah, no, like it. I think the updated doll. I think all of that works for me. Um, it's just a matter of the casting here. I think is my main hang up. It's my main hang up because the dialogue seems a little stiff. It seems a little um, unnatural in the sense that people are saying things that they might not say in this situation. I don't know. I guess I haven't been in this situation, so uh, I wouldn't know that for sure, but it seems a little unnatural, a little clunky. And I just hope that they're able to rebound from that and give us something that's really new and innovative for this franchise. Um, Now, I don't know if the production company is looking at this movie and they've seen some bits and parts of it and they are so confident in its ability to do well at the box office and to do well with Saw fans that they green light Saw 10. Because now we're talking, we're forget Spiral. We only have one trailer of that. That movie comes out in May, whatever. Now let's focus on Saw 10 already. Already we're focusing on Saw 10. And so, you know, Bloody Disgusting broke the news that a 10th film is in the way. Um, and it's from Twisted Pictures again. And uh, it, it's going to be basically Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures doing Saw 10. So it's not Spiral. It's, it's its own thing, I guess. It's back to the regular canon, which makes me think that there, we're not going to get that connective tissue like as strong in Spiral as we are maybe in Saw 10. Um, so spiral might be its own little thing. In fact, this like indicates to me that it's from the book of saw. So it's its own little secluded, like anthology, right? 
And that's why I brought it up just a second ago that this could just be a story parallel yeah. to the actual Saw franchise. Because that's what I thought, too, especially when it said the Book of Saw. Like, before the 10th movie came out, that was from that was my understanding from how the movie was titled in the first place. Yes, yeah. but it seems like in the marketing, they've dropped that. They've, they've kind of dropped that from the Book of Saw off. So if you like go on IMDb, um, the original title was Spiral from the Book of Saw. Now it's just Spiral. So that, that name change, I don't know. I don't know if that indicates that they, they had the idea of doing like a Saw anthology and then they tried to connect it back together to the original property. And then the studio was like, Twisted Pictures was like, yeah, why don't we, why don't we just produce another Saw 10 film? Um, you know, to, to relate to Saw and Spiral. I don't know. It's uh, all kind of strange. There's a lot of speculation going on here, um, which is always fun, honestly. Speculation's fun. Well, I mean, I hate to be that guy, but I mean, keep in mind with all these Saw movies that have come out, even like the movies that aren't called Saw, but, you know, Jigsaw, they're all very short titles. So maybe they just dropped Book of Saw to make it just spiral and keep it simple. Yeah, yeah maybe. Maybe. Maybe we're just overthinking maybe. this. Yeah, that, a that's a total possibility, uh, as with everything. Um, some fans are going to be... Uh, some fans are going to be upset at this, but it looks like James Wan is not returning for Saw 10. It looks like Atomic Monster, his uh, film production company it looks like is helping to produce, but he's not returning in any capacity for, you know, direction on his part. Um, and also, uh, Leigh Winnell, like is noticeably absent. And, um, so you have, you know, the, the original writer and the original director, both like, and eh, we'll help a little bit. We'll, we'll give you some money, but we're not going to do too much. I don't know. When it comes to James Wan films, I've just come to realize that, like, if it's a project based off another James Wan project without James Wan actually having any anything to do with it, it's typically not the greatest thing ever. Like with Nun, The Nun. It was, like, one of the worst movies in the Conjuring universe and James Wan did not have much say in that project. And that's what we came up with. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like if James Wan isn't going to attach himself to it, then maybe you should just let it go. <laughs> maybe. What? Okay, so the thing is, um, even if Leigh Whannell wanted to come back and maybe direct, you know, Leigh Whannell has been doing more horror recently, right? I mean, we have... We have um, What's that one movie that he upgrade upgrade? It's kind of a horror movie, like sci-fi mm -hmm. horror-ish. And upgrade. Oh, I love is Logan Marshall. Great. Green. Invisible Man. Great. Like, why don't we get lay one out? Lay one out. Like, hey, you want to maybe come back and do this thing that you did? Remember Saw two thousand four? You remember Saw two thousand four? Do that. Do that. But direct it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it doesn't seem like anyone has much interest in it. And I get it. Like, you don't want to keep doing and making the same properties year after year over, you know, over and over again. Right. So for them, you know, for their creativeness, they probably just want to, you know, adventure out. Lee Wanell. <laughs> Lee I am so Lee sorry Wano. that I totally butchered. <laughs> I got overly excited. It's because he's too busy directing the remake of Escape from New York. Mm. I did not even know that was a thing. Why did no one tell me that that was a thing? You know what else is a thing? Uh, Escape Room 2. Uh, We're going to have to come back to that. It wasn't a bad movie. I just have the feeling that that, that movie was already pushing it as just like from a pretty good movie to an okay movie that I feel like the sequel is. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, um, the good news is is that horror isn't going anywhere. Uh, there are so many different properties in development. Um, you know, Scream Five on the way next year. Uh, how do you feel about that, by the way? Because we are like eight months, you know, eight plus months away from this, and so in another five months, I I assume by September we're gonna have our first trailer. And like, ooh, you know. 
I just... I just need a screaming movie so bad. Like, so bad. I just... And it worked as a TV show. So can we please, like, at least, like, fill the gaps with what they were doing with the TV show? The the first two seasons? Not the third. The first two. <laughs> yeah, no. It actually shocked me, to my core, how much I actually enjoyed that TV show. I thought it was going to be straight-up garbage. I thought it was going to be insulting to the Scream movies. I went into that show absolutely 100% believing that I was going to hate it. And then when I finished the show, I got super pissed off because I ended up loving it. Yeah. I was like, damn it. This is what, this was actually really freaking yeah. good. Even with Bella Thorne. In she it. was in one episode. She's fine. <laughs> yeah. Two, I think. Yeah. Cause she comes back for that little bar Still scene just- at one point, but yeah, two. Still probably the best, one of the best kills. Mm-hmm. Um, the most like OG kill. I think the most that ties it really well into the original films i think her death you know yeah but bella thorne didn't deserve to be the one to do it yeah, i know but it's mtv and they're like yeah bella thorne's hot right now like we might as well at least with drew barrymore they picked someone who like wasn't garbage <laughs> okay well they did it for the shock factor, the fact that everyone loved Drew Barrymore and that Drew Barrymore was America's sweetheart, and that nothing bad could ever happen to Drew Barrymore, and then Wes Craven freaking did it. And it shocked us. With Bella Thorne, you're just waiting for her to die. Like, okay, we don't like her. And that's like my only complaint about the Scream TV show. And that was my biggest complaint about it before I ever watched it, was the fact that Bella Thorne did it when they should have gotten someone who was actually decent. That you wouldn't want to die because that was the whole point of Drew Barrymore's death in Scream. Everyone thought she was the main character because everyone was like, there's no way that Drew Barrymore could ever die. I did my research and it still upsets me. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, good news, guys. Horror's not dead. You've got a uh, new Leatherface. You've got new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You've got new Saw. You've got a new Scream movie on the way. It's very much alive and kicking. And more and more people are really getting um, like into horror and really accepting that genre. So it's becoming a bigger, you know, box office chunk to, to bite out of for, for studios, you know, like if you get in that market with the right property, with the right, you know, people behind it, uh, you can really make a lot of money as evidenced by it. Chapter two. And, you know, um, yeah, no, I, I, and I guess it chapter one as well. And uh, all those other movies that were coming out in like 2017, Halloween, um yeah we got a new halloween movie that's supposed to be out this year oh my god i forgot about that uh sorry i just had a realization i'm so excited for halloween too even though i didn't like halloween nearly as much as you did 2018's version um okay it it wasn't bad i just feel like it was definitely a project that was much more special for mm -hmm. you but I still enjoyed it nonetheless. It was still very good. And it was still just like a big old hug to the original. Yeah, big old, big old hug. Hopefully the second one. Big old The hug. second one keeps getting described as brutal. So like hopefully they just take that and they full throttle it. Uh, can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Into maximum overdrive. Here we go. No, we're not Transformers now. Um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! You can say full throttle, but I can't say maximum overdrive. This is some bull. <laughs> I don't need this. Uh, this is the content that you get on the Into the Burrow podcast. <laughs> um, hopefully, it's worth it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, a lot of horror coming out this year, next year. A lot of stuff that's being worked on currently. You know, we got a monster universe from Universal. Basically, it's in soft reboot. Um, you've got, you've got all the big, you know, tentpole horror films that are being revitalized. I just really hope that we can get where, where is our nightmare on Elm street movie? Like the good, a good reboot. Uh, and then also a good reboot of Friday the 13th. I think those two are on the way for sure. Well, Friday the 13th has to go through all the legal battles that it's currently going through with its property rights. That's a whole fucking nightmare, but where is nightmare on Elm street? Yeah. The last time I read about something with like an actual greenlit sequel before this year where it started to become a little bit more rumored again was back in like high school. And 
I got super upset because they had like rumored to have attached a star and it was Daniela Monet, the one that played Tori Vega's sister in Victoria's. And I was like, why? Why her? Like, no offense to Daniela Monet, but why her? And so I was like, oh, they're just going to say fuck it with being mm. better at Nightmare on Elm Streeting. But, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, and then after that, it was, like, entirely scrapped and everything. So I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just nervous when it comes to Nightmare on Elm Street. I get so nervous. Yeah. Like, that movie's special to me. Don't, don't hurt please. it. Please. <laughs> Do whatever don't you want it. to Jason. Like, I... <laughs> right? Like... That guy. Okay, I totally was. His on, mom's just gonna bring him back. I anyways. totally was on Jason's side in Freddy versus Jason, though. By the way, I've been meaning to watch that movie. I think I might tonight. I think I might. Every time I get sick, or if I stay home from work because you know mental health day, if I'm just feeling super bad about myself, I just throw that movie. It's on. Uh, it's definitely one of those films that I'm not proud to say that I like, but I like it. I like it. Honestly, like. I have like half the soundtrack from that movie on my spot. Most of my songs that are, if you want to know what kind of songs Linda likes, if it's not from a horror movie and if it's not like an alternative rock song, it's not going to be on my Spotify. So like horror movies have shaped my music interest in a very weird way. But yeah, 100% definitely Freddy versus Jason mm-hmm. soundtrack. I the have whole it. early two thousands, like horror movie soundtracks. It was so heavily like rock influence. They were slamming. Like, uh, like stream three soundtrack, for instance, you know, like that really turned Ooh. me on to a lot of those bands. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, it was just incredible. Like, when Scream 4 came out, I bought the entire soundtrack to it off of iTunes, and I would listen to it every day. That was day. more alt-rock. The early 2000s was it a lot was, of grunge, like but... Queen of the Damned. Like, uh, that soundtrack is, like, all on my phone. You have, you know, Chester Bennington. You have System of a Down. You have, like, you know, like, all of those, like, staples from the grunge era. Like, it, yeah, it was it was great. Um, I think... See, horror movies are extremely influential mm-hmm. if you love them. One of my favorite interviews from Wes Craven, actually, he was talking about uh, the influence of rock music and horror. And he, he was like, I think rock and horror are synonymous. And he was like, and I think that using them together and pairing them together is foundational for like a good horror experience. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you understand. It would explain it would explain a lot about like most of the horror fans are usually like super metalhead, super goth. And it it brings a lot of self-realization to And me, and me, and me. <laughs> and us both were both just like, fuck yeah, horror movies. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's it makes it does, sense. It does. Horror's great. Um horror's oh. great. Uh, so with all that being said, we taught we went into a tangent about like all different horror properties. But you know what? We took a two week break. We can talk about whatever we want. Like, <laughs> um, exactly. we are going to take one more quick break. We're going to come back and we are going to talk about what is new to streaming this week for you. Um, so stay tuned. I'm sure you know by now, but we have our own YouTube channel. There, we upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies and stream gaming content weekly. We have a goal to reach 100 subscribers by the end of the year. Right now, we are about 12 subscribers away from reaching that goal. And it would mean everything to the team here to be able to accomplish this goal. Simply search the Burr Reviews in YouTube search bar to find us. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications of when we upload or go live. The Burr Reviews, your movie refuge. Welcome back to the break, everyone. We are now going to touch base with you about what was new to streaming this past weekend so that you have enough content to indulge in this week. Um, Because, you know, we all know we have those bad work days, those eight to fives, those nine to fives, or in my case, those seven to threes. And you just you have a really bad day and you want to come home and you want to watch some some content on the streamers. So let me tell you what's new out there. You have We Don't Deserve Dogs. Very true. Very true. It's a documentary from Matthew Stella. 
um, I think is how you say his name, or Sala, 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 something like that, Matthew Sala, and Rose Tucker. Uh, they travel the world, beautifully capturing the connection between humans and our faithful dog companions. The pair meet up with shepherds in Romania who depend on their dogs to help tend their flocks. Former child soldiers in Uganda who rehabilitate street dogs as a form of trauma healing and more. And you can find that on Vimeo On Demand, Google Play, Apple TV, Amazon Prime, and YouTube. Um, we also have Thunder Force, which came out to rave reviews. Let me see. No, I didn't. It didn't. It didn't. Really? Awful reviews. Um, and this Thunder Force is on Netflix. It stars Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer. Uh, it's a superhero buddy film. The two women use technology that can give ordinary humans special powers and then set out to somewhat awkwardly fight crime. Um, oh, so it's quirky. Yeah, it's Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, I mean. Uh, it, and it's, um, I think, isn't, ho- wait, hold on. Thunder Force. Thunder Force, Netflix. Let me just, let me just, let me just research something real quick because I feel like, I feel like I have to say this right before I say it. I don't want to give you bad information. Yeah, so it's Ben Falcone directs this, so her husband. And it seems like every time he, every time Ben Falcone and her pair up for something, it's just awful. It's atrocious. Um, well, what about Bridesmaids? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, okay, occasionally. But Bridesmaids is like one in a million. How many movies have they done together? Like all of them? I actually don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's, uh, by the way, Thunder Force is sitting at a 34% on Metacritic right now. Yeah, they've done Tammy. Ooh. They've done Life of the Party. They've done The Boss. They've done, um, uh, uh, sorry, he's done so much. The Heat. Uh, he's done Up All Night. Um, obviously bridesmaids, bridesmaids, uh, identity thief, which I didn't think was awful, but I don't know. It's, it just seems like she, she, she likes making the films, I guess with him. So it's fine. But like, man, like, and then you, you see her in those other movies. Like what was that one Oscar movie, um, that I absolutely adored, uh, about the forger. She like forged art pieces. You know what I'm talking about? With Melissa yeah, McCarthy? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. I'll find it. Uh, I will find Sorry, my IMDb page is on Big Ass Spider oh, right that's now. that's okay. <laughs> oh, can you ever forgive me? Um, just a, a, an amazing movie where she kind of breaks out of that typecasting that she's been in so many times before. But I think she enjoys it. So, I mean, more power to her. But, you know, I mean, th- like I said, it's sitting at 32% on Metacritic. So uh, she wants to keep doing it. Fine. Um, and then we have Them, Covenant which is a black family that is terrorized after moving into an all-white Los Angeles neighborhood in the 1950s. It's a horror drama, and it uh, was created by Little Marvin and executive produced by uh, Lena Waite. Is envisioned as an anthology series, of which Covenant will be the first self-contained chapter. We talked about this a little while ago. Um, the series features graphic depictions of violence and racial trauma, which critics have noted may be difficult for some viewers, and that's on Amazon Prime. Um, might be difficult, but I'm hearing really, really good positive things about it just in terms of the way it kind of navigates the themes of racial trauma and, um, especially, you know, being a time period piece as well. Critics usually love time period pieces. And so if you have a horror drama that is touching on those themes set in 1950s, I think you have a, you know, you have something really special on your hands. And so I wish that show all the best. I still have to check it out, but I'm currently trying to binge through invincible on Amazon prime because invincible is just great. I love invincible. Have you lane's been binging invincible a lot. I did he read my review before it came out. Did he read my review before it came out? I told him time and time again that he needed to comment on that post. Cause he had words. He had things to say about it, and yet he wouldn't say a damn thing about it. And it's like, honey, you need to talk to him about it because honestly, I feel like you guys would have a great. Lane doesn't like talking to me. I don't think. <laughs> no, it's not he, that. He, he, he just he gets nervous. Nervous. He's a nervous, an anxious boy. boy. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, um, that's really all you have to stream this week. So there's not too much, honestly. Uh, if you want to go check out Thunder Force, more power to you. I'd advise not. If you, because we, wait, hold on. We need to stop. We need to stop supporting those films. 
like that. Thunder no, Force? No, like just the projects with Ben Falcone and Melissa McCarthy. I get that they love each other oh. and that they're married and it's a whole thing, but like, oh my God, like put an end to it, please. Anyway, oh my that's really all you have. So, um, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, obviously episode four just dropped on Friday as long as, in, um, as well as Invincible as well just dropped. I think it's uh fifth episode. So there are some things to check out, just maybe not these ones. Although that that dog project, the We Don't Deserve Dogs on Amazon Prime, that sounds magnificent, especially if you consider the way that they're going about the documentary um, regionally, you know, going to Uganda, um, going to Romania, just places that you wouldn't even think about going and, and really trying to find that creative, like new story that people haven't seen before. Um, through the lens yeah. of why we love dogs and why there are companions, I think it's just really fascinating. So that is something for you to check out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually very excited for them. I've been seeing a bunch of trailers for it and it, it reminds me of a Jordan Peele project. That, that's very purposeful because us came yeah. out. Yeah. And them, even the posters and the marketing seem very familiar. Um, it's very Jordan Peele esque, mm-hmm. and that has I I'm one hundred percent watching this because of that. It just it seems so good and just so tense, and it just seems like it'd be like right up my alley it for does. a show. And I just I'm I actually and Allison Pill is in it, and I've been really liking her lately. I love turning cooties. And I love turning Scott Pilgrim. And so, yeah, no, I actually really want to watch this when it comes Yeah, out. you'll have to let me know um, when you do end up watching it, uh, like what you think of it. That way I'll take your recommendation on whether or not I watch it or not. Um, okay. But yeah, that I think that's the show today, guys. I think that's really all we had for you. Um, thank you so much for listening and thank you for indulging us while we took our two-week break there. Um, the same time that we were kind of taking a break, obviously, you know, we had Easter, but the week before that I was filming a video. So I filmed a video, uh, video looks really good for the most part. Uh, but I think we're going to have another day of like reshoots and stuff. Um, cause we had one of the actors flake, just saying one of the actors flake. So we oh. had to kind of, um, adjust what we were doing a little bit. And, uh, when you're dealing with two actors for, a project and then one doesn't show up it kind of kind of dampens everything a little bit but uh yeah i had fun really i I really had fun shooting that music video so um there will be another week that i'll be doing that otherwise like i don't have much going on like in my life i don't know what you got going on this week um living my best life i guess (laughs) per usual Per usual, you know, just doing Linda things on Linda days, and just doing what spooky Linda does best. I watched uh, Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky yesterday, and that was quite indulging. Mm-hmm. So I think I might just keep working my way up. Yeah, I'm just going to keep watching my Love Island UK. I'm going to keep watching Falcon and Winter Soldier and Invincible. I'm going to power through those. And then I am ready for Mortal Kombat this weekend um, that I am ready for. I'm so excited for that, actually. Oh, oh, by the way, yeah, while I, while I mention Mortal Kombat, expect a video review over that. Um, that is something that I will be doing a video review for. So if you're interested in checking out Mortal Kombat, but you're not quite sure if you want to see it right away or not, and you want to kind of wait for the reviews to come out, head over to the YouTube channel either on Friday night or on Saturday night. I will have my review of Mortal Kombat posted. That is something that I will be doing. So uh, check out my review for that if you're excited for it as well like I am. Um, All the trailers just look amazing. Like that is probably that trailer better than the King Kong and Godzilla trailer. That trailer better than the Spiral trailer. Um, And so I just have so much hope for that project. Hopefully I uh, am not disappointed. But yeah. That is about all we have. Um, So if you don't have anything else, Linda, I don't think I have anything else. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And we will see you in the next episode, everyone. Bye.